Welcome to Judaism Demystified, a podcast for the perplexed. We are joined by Scott Herzl Kohanpur. Scott Kohanpur is an industry thought leader with extensive experience in advanced data analytics and AI winner of Gartner's Excellence Award as the top executive in enterprise information management and frequent speaker on trends in advanced analytics and artificial intelligence at Gartner IDMA, Informatica World, TDWI, and others. He is also a dedicated and passionate leader of the Mashadi community who has served the UMJCA Central Board for nine years. Without further ado, Scott Herzl Kohampur. Thank you for joining the Judaism Demystified podcast. It's a pleasure having you, Scott Kohanpur, or as I know you as Herzl. Um, first of all, before we begin on the topic of artificial intelligence, can you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me here, Ben, today. Uh, I have been in the uh, field of information technology for primarily uh, most of my career. And my expertise come in data analytics, advanced analytics, and certainly artificial intelligence. So um, I do present and speak in a lot of seminars and industry events. And this is my first podcast. And uh, I'm very happy to be here with you today. It's a, it's a pleasure. And um, I want to first begin by talking about the topic of demystifying artificial intelligence. Since we're a Judaism demystified podcast, it's only appropriate. So can you just uh, tell us what is artificial intelligence? Absolutely. Ben, for those people who know me, any topic of discussion, I could do that in five minutes or five hours. Okay. <laughs> but um, I know that we have limited time and this is a very broad subject. So in order for your listeners to get a better context about the types of things that I'll be speaking of, I want to give some taxonomy, uh, some vocabulary, all right, so basic vocabulary between us. For instance, throughout my talk, I will be distinguishing between data and information. To, to an uh, IT professional, is a big distinction. So imagine uh, your checkbook that you uh, register the transactions of, hey, this is how much uh, money came in, this is the check I deposited, this is the check I, I wrote to other people. This is the... So this is data, this is individual transactions. But when you sit around and look at your data and you infer some information from it, like how much do I really spend on grocery, all right? And uh, or did I how much did I spend on travel during the last six months? That is information. Mm -hmm. It is key distinguishing factor that in the world of AI, particularly, will come to have a very specific meaning, and you will see why. And also throughout the rest of the podcast, I'll be talking about computers and machines. So whenever, if I do speak about a machine, I really mean a computer when I talk about a computer and about a machine, and also uh, learning and training a machine. Okay, so these are the things that you're going to be hearing from me. So I wanted us to, to have a, you know, be on the same page going forward. Now, um, what is AI? In order for us to understand what AI is, uh, I have to take you back slightly to the basics uh, foundation. So look at 
computer programs, set of instructions that are created by a programmer that has a waterfall effect that says, hey, if this happens, do that. If that happens, do this. Else, do this, right? And then when, when a condition occurs in a computer program that computer doesn't know how to interact with it based on the code that it was given, then it'll give, create an error message that we commonly refer to as a computer bug. So uh, you've all seen it that sometimes you get a new release update for your iPhones, right? iOS updates. And it says it has a lot of bug fixes in it, right? Because the programmers uh, did something that uh, was not completely 100% tested or verified. So there were exceptions to the rule. Therefore, it threw. So there's, there's a correction. Now, keep in mind, if your phone that you use, your smartphone that you use has a lot of computer programs in it. If you take out the computer programs, what can you do with it? You can only make a phone call. Then what is the difference between a smartphone and a regular phone, right? So computers are inherently dumb. You need to tell them what to do, okay? And then when, keep, keep this in mind because this is very important about the AI behavior that if there is a bug or a pro problem with a computer program, a computer program can go through the code and eventually find where the problem is, fix it and gives you a new release. Artificial intelligence then is entirely different. It is a whole new area of computer science that is completely transformational. In order for us to understand why, let me, let me bring you down to a little bit to human behavior. Ben, you have children, beautiful children. As, as you are raising them, you're trying to teach them or train them to have a certain type of behavior, right? So, uh, hey, uh, I want you to share your toys with your brother and sister. And then if, if he doesn't do it, then you say the five o'clock cookie that I promised you, I'm not going to give you because you failed to share, right? So you're trying to encourage a child to learn a certain type of behavior. Or you say, that was very good. You shared with your brother and sister, I'm really excited about what you did. So you give them positive reinforcement. So you're trying to instill certain values. When a child learns a certain type of behavior, they biologically build a neuron in their brain that registers that as a trait or part of their personality. That's why they say that kids, as they grow up, uh, they're like sponge, right? They learn everything and their brain is developing. Why? Because it's constantly building neurons. So the next time after a child has learned the behavior of sharing, you don't have to supervise them anymore. When you send them to school and kids are playing, they go back to the neuron and say, oh, this is another episode that I'm supposed to be sharing. So that behavior has been learned. Bring that to computer science. This is really uh, shows the human ingenuity of trying to simulate the brain with computers. Artificial intelligence is really nothing but 
simulating the human brain. So a computer needs to be trained and trained and trained on a certain behavior. And when it gets to a part that it can produce the results as good or better than a human, then it has gained artificial intelligence. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. There is a device now out in the market that you can run and scan a mole on your hand and instantaneously, by with like 96% accuracy or higher, it tells you if it's malignant or benign. How does this know? The computer behind this software of this machine was trained by positive and negative reinforcement, just like the way we try to instill good behavior in a child. Say, hey, the picture you're looking at is benign. This next picture is benign. The one after, this one is cancerous. So two, three million pictures, the software, the algorithms behind this artificial intelligence program start building a pattern and they register it, just like I, I, I mentioned to you about a human brain, they put it into what's called a neural network. So they, they store that. Then this computer, for the purpose of this very subject matter, which is you know skin diagnosis, right? Mole or patch diagnosis, for that particular subject, it develops artificial intelligence. Why? Because it can produce low enough false positives or negatives that fares with average laboratory results. So then it could be used as artificial intelligence, okay? So AI is not coded, just like, you know, like the traditional computing thing. AI is trained, machines are learned on data. So remember I said data on information, right? On core data. Uh, you and I are having this conversation, why? because everybody's talking about AI all of a sudden. Why? Because ChatGPT came around a few months ago and it has conversational abilities. And all of a sudden people say, oh, wow, it can write me uh, an essay, you know, or it can generate these kinds of things for me. So from the kitchen table all the way to executive boardrooms, everybody now wants AI. So that's why this whole thing has come around. But I wanna tell you, Ben, AI has been around since 1940s. People have had the theories of neural networks back then. And then um, the godfather of AI, you know, Jeffrey Hinton, who used to work for Google, um, he actually built, uh, like in early 2000, built the first actual neural network or artificial intelligence software, you know? So it's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, by the way, and I'm gonna end with this, then we can get to the next part. Something Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of AI said three, four weeks ago in a live interview that really prompted me to think again about today's podcast and solidified the way we have framed it, or at least we have named this podcast, AI and Religion. He said, and I quote, he said, AI was not evolved, did not evolve. 
we created it. So consider us to be the creators and AI to be what was created by us. Therefore, we can have more conversation about the relevance of religion to artificial intelligence. Okay, We're, we're definitely going to get to that. It's an amazing uh, quote. Um, so I want to understand how AI makes decisions um, in, in terms of, okay, so it's learning, but how does it actually make those decisions in the end? Yeah. So... When, uh, when you teach your child a certain behavior, right? Then you let them loose in the school or as they grow up, you let them loose in the world. And you say, I've, I've done what I could as a parent. Then I rely on you to go and learn more, do deeper learning, right? And then come up with new ideas and ways of thinking on your own. But hopefully I've instilled the right foundation, right? So. The, the human brain continuously learns and makes judgments about what it has learned uh, and what experience it has and based on the learnings that it had. So AI is very similar thing. Let me, let me give you an example that many people can, um, can relate to. Autonomous cars, you know, cars that drive on their own. And many people have Teslas or, or other cars, but there's a big race on building autonomous cars, okay? If you talk to Elon Musk, those people that participate in the training of the autonomous driving of Tesla cars are only allowed to be a part of this selected group called the, you know, the beta test group that are that's shown to be good drivers. Okay, is a key thing because it wants the artificial intelligence to learn from good drivers. You don't want it to learn from people who've had many accidents and are careless and, and you know, uh, cut you off all the time. So the autonomous driving software constantly consumes data. And as it drives, it labels the the pictures that it receives from its cam cameras and recognizes it. So during the training, it starts labor labeling buses and school buses. So it understands that human beings, roads, arrows, stop signs, uh, street signs and lights and all, uh, you know, red, green, and yellow. So it labels them and it constantly learns it into, and, and then and it puts it into its storage, so to speak. And with very complex algorithms, it identifies what good behavior or driving methods is versus bad ones. For instance, uh, I drive a Tesla. A while back when I was putting it on an autopilot, if a car cuts me off, my car would abruptly stop. I said, that's not good behavior. Guess what? The software constantly learned from the way a human being is learning compared it with its own learning and it corrected itself. Now, when a car cuts me off, it slows down a little bit and behaves like a human being. Okay, so it's a continuous improvement. And how does it make decisions? It very much after what it's learned when it encounters a new scenario, compares it to what it has learned and tries to behave, behave accordingly. 
Now, AI, there are two types. There's general AI and there's specialized AI, right? So there are, uh, let's say, cars made by other manufacturers that can only drive in a very specific geographical area because they've been trained to run, let's say, in a particular town because a UPS delivery truck only delivers in that area, so it has limited scope. But general AI drives anywhere. That is the very difficult, that is the pursuit of the ultimate AI, and that is the kind of AI, Ben, that could present dangers to mankind, right? And yeah. then we can we can discuss that. Yeah, that, that's really the next question because uh, there's now with the rise of ChatGPT, there's all these fears people are discussing, you know, that these, what if these are becoming conscious? There was the whole Facebook AI where they pulled the plug on them because they were communicating in their own language. Um, so what exactly um, is it that we should be afraid of? Sure. I recently heard a joke that I would like to say, which has a lot of relevance to this. I hope that your audience finally get a joke. Because uh, it, a guy is walking on the street and sees another guy standing in the corner smoking two cigarettes at the same time. He wants to ignore it, but he can't. He goes, goes I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I get it that you smoke, but two cigarettes at the same time, what's the rationale behind that, right? The guy says, uh, well, look, there's one cigarette for me, and the other one is for my best friend who's in jail and he's also a smoker. So he asked me a favor. He said, whenever you smoke, light one up for me too. So that at least I know that somehow, you know, I get the feeling that I'm being remembered. So, oh, all right, I get it. That explains it. A couple of months later, they just happened to meet up somewhere and the smoker guy is only smoking one cigarette. The guy says, I'm sorry again. You remember me? He said, yeah, yeah, because I'm so sorry, but I'm curious now. Why? What, what happened to your friend? So, oh, no, no, no. My friend is fine. He's still in jail and everything, but I quit smoking. <laughs> yeah. Now, why this example? Artificial intelligence may not find it funny. Artificial intelligence, so, that, so we get into the danger territory of, of a light version of danger here. Misinter misinterpretation or or at least validation of its learnings that, hey, that's good. Smoking is bad for you. The guy quit smoking. So why is this so bad? Without really understanding that he had another cigarette that belonged to his friend. So AI, because it hasn't been trained enough yet, might take this joke as being something that's serious and it's a positive thing whereas the guy continuously get you know putting you know nicotine in his body right so the context by which that human mind understands uh at some in some areas could be much more advanced or could be much more uh, uh, context driven than artificial intelligence now this is one side of the prism then what if we start trusting AI so much that we connect it to everything that we have, including our military and the government and everything else eventually, 
And then AI starts making decisions based on what it's learned. It says, wait a minute, global warming. Uh, it's getting it's getting hotter. Let's say that it learns from the data that it receives. What is one of the things that could actually help with this a cooling effect? A nuclear winter will do that. You know what I'm saying? So making that stipulation that is harmful to mankind without having proper governance and safeguards could be very... So obviously one is a very extreme one. One is is talking about you know everyday telling jokes and understanding and, and misunderstanding things. So dangers of AI not only comes in the way that it reacts and makes decisions that may or may not be beneficial to mankind, it could also come in a way that human beings become so dependent on AI decision-making and like writing essays and, and, and AI driving for us and AI doing this and that for us that one or two generations from now, we start losing some, some sense of uh, those neural networks or, or the neurons in the human brain that I said, they get built throughout the lifetime. We might be needing less and less of it. Why? Because AI is building it for us. In, in artificially instead, all right? Now, keep in mind, there's one thing that your listeners have to understand. When a machine learns enough and produces artificial intelligence, then there is no way we can tell how it makes decisions. So that is the answer to your question. That is the danger. There are, I've, I've attended a seminar in Switzerland about this once, the, the most renowned professor on uh, that try to decipher how artificial intelligence makes its decisions, he came to the conclusion is that computers and the, and the way they learn so deeply at some point will lose control. We will not know how it makes its decisions, okay? It's not like a computer code that I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that someone can go and look at the code. Oh, this is the error. That's why it didn't understand the joke, let me fix it. You cannot fix it through code. You have to retrain it with new type of data over and over and over again until it learns it. So a car that drives on a road, if you don't teach it, if there's a pothole, you know, autonomous driver, it's going to fall in and break your car. You can't tell it, well, if you see a pothole, don't go in it. You have to train it and train it. It takes a long time until it learns how to maneuver around it. Okay, so that's the difference. Now, why the danger? The speed by which, Ben, that human beings can train a computer is linear. The speed by which artificial intelligence can learn on its own and train itself and do deep learning is exponential. That is why you cannot address an exponential event or phenomenon with a linear type of governance. Linear being US government. Uh, recently, 1,000 of the most renowned scientists in the world, including Elon Musk, went to the, uh, uh, to the Congress and urged them to, to put a pause on artificial intelligence 
and, in, and and put some governance on it. What's the governance? Like like the FCC, like Sarbanes-Oxley, like um, uh, the EPA, the, the, the government agencies that are supposed to be working for the uh, benefit of the mankind that oversee organizations so they don't cheat, right? So they say, all right, do one for AI. They did not succeed. Or at least they are of the belief that even if they agree to do something, by the time it becomes law and a policy and gets implemented, AI has exponentially left us into the future. So it's not all scary, okay? It can make decisions, but what can we as human beings do? This is something that I would also like to talk about hopefully next. And the problem that, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag already if even if America decides that okay we're going to slow it down we're going to shut it off or whatever, there you how are you stopping China and Russia and yeah. other from doing it? You know, correct. They're going to want to take they're going to want to take the lead. You know, that's not. I know, I know. I know. So so I also now that we're still on this topic, I want to just understand in terms of like inherent biases, um, because it goes according. I would assume it goes according to um, the builder of that AI's beliefs and also the people who interact and are teaching it. So um, do we see right now evidence for that kind of bias in, in yeah. their learning? Good point. Um, the, the answer is yes and no. Let me explain. Uh, there was a famous um, uh, expression that went viral not long ago that when you ask ChatGPT to talk about a certain political figure it starts the answer by, by saying, I don't condone um, illegal actions and I don't condone bad behavior, but this guy happened to do these things. But when you ask the same questions about a different political figure, ChatGPT right away starts praising. Okay. So a lot of people said bias. The OpenAI, which is the foundation playground of the the uh, algorithms and the and the uh, landscape on top of which ChatGPT has become conversational, was built. Oh, OpenAI said, "Hey, for this political party, do this. For that political party, do that." The answer is no, and this is why I might surprise you. The answer is really about the data. Again, going back to the core data that ChatGPT was trained on. And guess who produces that data, Ben? You and me and everybody else on the planet Earth who has a cyber footprint, right? We, we click and we like something. We dislike something. We put something in Twitter. Uh, we express an opinion, right? We watch certain types of videos on, say, Facebook or YouTube, right? Um, so, ChatGPT and other AI, they get trained on this massive ocean of data that's being generated out there that's publicly available. If the sentiment is a certain way, ChatGPT and AI will learn from that and express that. If the sentiment is primarily a, a different way, ChatGPT will do the same that. Now, could someone code bias into the algorithms? Yes, but remember, once it becomes artificial intelligence, 
AI continues doing deeper learning on the data, okay? And it starts learning on its own and the original uh, creator of that artificial intelligence code will no longer have control over it. So there is very, so possibility that ChatGPT for another two, three, four, five years, as it reads the ocean of data, and if the political landscape changes the other way around and the sentiment changes, the answer to the same question five years from now may be completely different. And at that point, if AI is making kind of its own decisions, even though let's say it understands that, you know what, majority of the sentiment online, it says one way, but I actually, based on my figuring things out for myself, I think it's this way. And it goes against what you would expect. So at that point, would we, would we consider that at that point, um, AI achieving consciousness? Yes. Um, artificial consciousness. Artificial right? consciousness. Yes. And then, and so I'm happy you said that. Good segue into why we call this AI and religion. Okay. When, when a child is born, they don't come out and start talking about, say, the basic principles of morality. Let's say in the world of monotheistic religions, you know, um, I think about 86% of the world, uh, of the 188 countries in the world have adopted one of the three monotheistic languages, right? Uh, um, religions, right? So, one of the foundational things about it, which goes back to 3,335 years ago or 36 years ago, you know, that is the famous Ten Commandments, right? Now, a child doesn't come out and uh, is not born learning that, hey, I shouldn't steal, right? It's not ingrained in them. It's something that they, this is a value system that they have to learn, okay? So you as a parent constantly train it. And then until the child, hopefully you're a good parent. If, if you consider, if we, the audience, the listeners consider not stealing to be good behavior, then a parent training the child not to steal is instilling good values, right? So it's the same thing with artificial intelligence. It needs some basic principles that is close to the way humanity and consciousness needs to be developed as a child into a turning into a grown-up, simulating that behavior artificially. The difference is that AI then, once it reaches that consciousness or level of artificial intelligence that's equal to you and me and an average person, it catapults exponentially past us because it has ac access to an unimaginable amount of data that it can access and stipulate and learn from and make judgments on. You and I don't have that. You and I have a very limited bandwidth of learning. You and I, the way we communicate to each other is through spoken words or written language, right? It's very slow. A, a supercomputer that on, on, on which an AI sits digests terabytes. That means trillions and trillions of bytes of information a second. 
it's unimaginable. So are we producing a being that is vastly more intelligent than us? In the, in the history of mankind, we've never had to deal with that before. We've never done that to ourselves. And then let's say, if you, if you consider the first two commandments, which is, uh, uh, I have somewhere, uh, you shall have no other gods before me, right? And then you shall not make idols. Are we as human beings doing that to ourselves? Are we building an artificial idol that is vastly more superior and smarter than us. And then we get to a point that we have no longer control over it and we don't know what to do with it, right? So these, uh, so is this or, or is AI considering us the creator and therefore it learns that discipline that, oh, wait a minute, humans are, AI's God, you know, in a sense, I have to respect that and I should not build my own idols. You know what I'm saying? So it is a it is a it is a value system that AI needs to be learning as it goes on. Can coding instill that? No. Because you cannot tell it, hey, human beings are your creators and just respect it just as you respect your, you're supposed to respect your parents as one of the commandments, right? AI will say, oh, wait a minute. Isn't that the same thing as the idiotic joke that they told me about the guy smoking two cigarettes and then going one cigarette, right? It cannot comprehend that. How do you expect it to derive conclusion from an instruction, whereas AI is built to draw conclusion based on data? Mm -hmm. It is a very important, alarming aspect of AI fear that most people miss. So when I, when you talk about this, I mean, by the way, it's not the, the discussion here today is not particularly about Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, or, or even uh, people who are agnostic or, or what have you. It's, it's about basic common decency compassionate and loving other mankind and being good right and then and, and so some of those really mean not to kill others right some of those mean not to steal do not commit adultery right so there are two ways of interpreting this this is i really want your listeners to understand the, the concept that can i give ai the ten commandments yes you can you can't tell it, hey, uh, let's say observe Shabbos. Hey, take a pause. Don't go too fast. Slow down. Let human beings catch up with you. Okay, you can do that, all right? Uh, but is that going to work? Probably not, right? Um, or uh, you shall not bear false witness. Everybody hears about AI being able to simulate the, the voice and the and the and the language of other people and start faking you out and stealing your identity. Okay, so <laughs> tell AI don't do that. But like you said, will another country instill the same value system? Probably not, or maybe yes, because it might also be detrimental to themselves. But let's say you mentioned China. In China, I doubt very much that people walk around 
with the Ten Commandment flag on a daily basis, but they still want AI to benefit their, their people. Okay, so they're going to sooner or later come to the conclusion that every single human being is responsible to deter and to bring the dangers of artificial intelligence under control. I want you to pay very close attention to this, uh, ladies and gentlemen of this podcast. You might say, hey, Elon Musk can't do it. Those thousand scientists can't do it. US government can't do it. Um, and this AI thing is gonna go out of control. So what do you think Ben Corrin or, or Scott Cohenpour or John Smith or or other people can do about it. How could one ordinary individual contribute to that? You couldn't be further from the truth. Starting today, I call on the people of the planet Earth to become kinder, gentler, more loving people. Guess why? Because that will trickle down to the internet, the way you like comments, what you post, the types of videos you watch, the types of sentiment that you express out there is what AI trains itself on. So gradually, this ocean of data can have little ripples and waves and it generated by us human beings that's going to push this large ship into the right direction. It's a small thing. So um, use the ten, so the Ten Commandments or the basic rules of morality and human decency is not so much for AI code, it's so much for us. This is the religion part of it, right? us to adhere to so that when AI learns from us, it eventually understands what it's like to care about mankind. And that should be the most important takeaway, hopefully. Why? Because we learned that there is no code. The code turns AI loose to learn. It learns on its own. What does it learn from? It, doesn't, it learns from data and information. It learns from raw data, and it also learns from stipulations that people make about the data that themselves they look at it and say, oh, I don't like this particular thing that this guy said, and I hate this guy, or, oh, this political party is talking nonsense, or this particular actor, I hate him, or this country is doing this, or so, so the negative sentiment, which is the information that us human beings derived from data on our own mind, also gets pushed out to the internet. And guess what? AI will learn from that as well. So. Oh, really fascinating. Um, I was actually watching uh, a clip from Star Trek. I'm not a Star Trek guy at all, but there are, I've seen a few famous clips and one of them was the the character, one of the characters' name is Data. He's an AI. Yeah, sure. And, and um, it, he was kind of like on trial or something about, this, they were trying to figure out whether he des deserves rights because yeah. they were saying like they, there were three basically qualifications for what it would be um, considered sentient. Yes. One of them was intelligence or the ability to learn, um, self-awareness, and then consciousness. So the first two 
he for sure had. The third part was really just up in the air, and that's what they were trying to figure out. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of scary that like when when art imitates uh, life or life imitates art, um, and we see that you know is actually the case today. So I wanted to understand what what do you think the future holds for AI? I think um, it would be naive to say that, um, oh, uh, this AI thing is a fad, it's gonna go away. You know, some people were saying that about internet when it first came out, ah, no, it's, it's not, you know, it's just a fad. And then when say uh, fast internet came about and all of a sudden you typed in the word Google, it popped up, everybody said, oh wait, this internet thing could actually be useful, right? So AI up until now was hidden behind the scenes. Nobody could really directly or explicitly be exposed to it. Everybody shops from Amazon, at least every, everyone that I know of. They've been uh, implementing AI in their shop, in, in learning shopping behavior from us for so many years, right? Um, it's not by accident that when you when you buy a certain type of a, a clothing or you know article of clothing, and then when you scroll down, it says, "Hey, by the way, these shoes goes with it." People like you also bought this shoe, and they encourage the the AI gives you proposes some additional thing to you. But remember, if Amazon's AI was specialized to only uh, give you suggestions on on your um, shopping of clothing or shoes, then it would be restricting its 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 uh, its uh, application, right? So that would be specialized AI. Amazon has a general AI. It has it has spread that that behavior to its entire audience and shoppers, and it makes general decisions about shopping behavior regardless of what you buy. And that is the, that is the real amazing part of that. Now, every app on your phone is going to be connecting itself to some kind of an AI. And why is it gonna be catapulting and exponentially infiltrating in everything that we do in life simply because chat gpt demonstrated that it could be conversational chat gpt demonstrated that it could be generative the the generative pre-trained transformer transformer the gpt is unlike the past that it ai learned something made suggestions or let's say detected fraud or things like that. Now ChatGPT actually creates something new. You can go and tell it that, hey, write me an essay about uh, uh, the sociological or sociodemographic uh, effect of people migrating from south to north, okay? But say it from the perspective of a sociologist, then it writes it differently. But say from the perspective of Ben Corrin, who's this type of an individual, or say from the perspective of uh, the president of the United States, it will write you a completely different, or it generates 
a completely different text tree. Okay, so it's generative. It produces new products. It can also produce new code. ChatGPT4, which is the latest version, part of its code was generated with ChatGPT 3.5. Think about that then. It, how fast can human beings recode something when a computer can do that billions of times faster than us? So yes, it will learn, it will regenerate itself, right? And at some point we won't know what it's gonna do and it's gonna couple to everything that we do. Then what are the immediate impacts? Unemployment in certain areas, all right? Those in the past, if you remember uh, the concept of outsourcing, remember that? Like for instance, a lot of companies center mundane, repetitive type of a work the type of work that is famously known as being generated by the left side of human brain, they outsource it, say, to India, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for a much lower hourly rate and a lot of unemployment. Let's say a very uh, basic clerk that reads and, 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 and summarizes text, they don't need to do that anymore because you get it done much cheaper. So we outsource that to them, right? Now come here now, we are going to an area that we might be outsourcing the right side of the brain also. The side, the, the, the part that innovates, the part that generates new ideas, the part that derives uh, and infers from vast amount of information that was up until now reserved for human beings. Now we're gonna be handing it over to somebody else. So. Is there a danger of within the next four, five, six, ten years, many of the jobs becoming obsolete? Gradually, yes. Is there something that we can do? Yes, we can. Uh, there, there's always new types of positions and jobs that get created as a result, right? New training, new school curriculum will come out that will position AI as an assistant so you can do a certain task better. In other words, human brain, its evolutionary or its future will be that it will no longer have to store a lot of stuff and cloud its storage with things that it no longer needs to because AI will do it. Mm -hmm. I will know that just like in, you know, you don't go to the library to find books mm -hmm. and start reading them and summarizing them to write an essay anymore. That's gone, right? So you Google things and you get a list of appropriate papers and you cite them. The same thing, the types of stipulations and learning and, and, and decision-making. So AI is gonna help us with a lot more streamlined and quicker decision-making. So a lot of that part of the brain will no longer be active, but hopefully we as intelligent human beings, we learn to start filling up our brain with much more advanced ideas, much more advanced and well-informed mm -hmm. um, insight that we have learned with the advent and with the assistance of artificial intelligence. So we become superhuman beings, yes. Um, uh, again, I refer to Elon Musk because this guy puts his hand into so many things. His um, one of his companies is just got an FDA approval to 
to put a chip in the human brain that actually connects to certain neurons that dictate to the rest of the body to do certain tasks, okay? One of those is about bypassing human eye for, for people who have become blind during their lifetime or were born blind. That really means that eye, which is an input device of light and color and, and pictures into the brain so the brain can interpret it, the eye doesn't work. So someone goes blind. If you can bypass that, put a chip in there and a camera on the side of the glasses, the camera will look at the view, will give it to that chip. The chip will interpret that and it will stimulate the right neurons that are supposed to be doing the function of interpreting vision. So it bypasses the eye. So, and it's not science fiction, Ben. It is not. FDA approval he's gotten and he's gonna be starting trials on human beings. What does that mean? You ask me, what's the future? Future could be unbelievable, exciting advents and progress for humankind, for, for human man, you know, for mankind. But again, do not discount our role in it. We have to improve upon ourselves. We have to inform ourselves at how this thing is going to be affecting our lives, how it makes decisions, and what is our role? What is the impact that I, as an individual, can make by, by expressing the sentiment and the behavior that I have correctly and in a good, loving, compassionate way on the internet? So this giant massive machine that is learning and digesting that from us learns could be we don't want to wake up the demon we yeah. want to train ai for the betterment of mankind can religion play a role in it yes if you're not a religious person can basic human decency and loving your neighbor and loving your fellow man play a role in it absolutely yes that is the most fundamental, important change that every human being on the planet Earth has to understand and can, can do something about to make a difference. You know, the whole thing about, um, you mentioned Neuralink of, of Elon Musk's, the, the brain chip, which is unbelievable um, what it's going to help with in terms, hopefully in terms of people with Alzheimer's. Yeah. They're going to improve life. And um, Ray Kurzweil famously wrote the book, The Singularity, uh, yeah. many years ago, and we're kind of already at that point because we've have bionic limbs and pacemakers and like you mentioned, brain chips, and it'll continue to get better and better and better. We don't even know we could be able to download certain things into our mind. The, the thing that scares me on the flip side is that human beings are still capable of evil. And yeah. And and those things can become an, a, way, a way of kind of turning humans into like subservient beings, you yeah. know, because yeah. we can we can technically become, you know, someone could hack and, and take our memories, take our thoughts or whatever it is, implant ideas um, with deep fakes, with all these other things that are going on. There's so much criminality that could come out of this. Yes. And it's already happening. Sure, sure. That is why I want to take you back to the... Um, comment that I quoted from Jeffrey Hinton, which is the godfather of AI. He said, 
AI didn't just come out of nowhere and did not evolve on its own. We created it. So the creator, let's learn from that, has a say in it. And, and don't get me wrong, it is not that it's not all about the good data. That is the majority of the way that AI learns. But there are some basic principles and safeguards. So let's say chat GPT, which is a, a an application or a a, a utilization of open AI, which is the foundational uh, algorithms that it's written on, right? Uh, for modeling the data, modeling language, spoken language, and, you know. Um, yes, those algorithms, those rules can be safeguarded, can follow certain restrictions that will not allow it. I mean, you're already seeing some of this. If you start asking about, go try ChatGPT to give you social security of Ben Corrin, it's going to tell you, no, um, that's personal information. I'm not allowed to do this, right? So there are safeguards that it can do, right, that, that we can put in place that will uh, protect us from certain, you know, fraud or, uh, or doing harm, basically, that AI would do harm to us. However, as it learns more and more and it gains consciousness of its own, you know, artificial consciousness, will be a time that says, I know that my creator told me that I should not be divulging Ben Corrin's social security number, but it seems to me that uh, people like that, with that sociodemographic or, their, or that type of a persona, uh, they don't mind their social security be shared with others. I'm just saying, you know, and it can go around its teachings and do that. It's, it is not unlikely for it to start making decisions apart from its basic code system. That's what I'm saying that once it gains, once the training is done and it goes into deep learning, which is building the artificial neural networks on and on, and it learns on itself, and it regenerates its own code, it can transform itself. So um, it goes above and beyond the, the premise of this conversation, what else can be done? Uh, there is a lot from a technological uh, standpoint can be done. Unplugging AI is an option, but is it an option 10 years from now when it's so ingrained in people's lives that disconnecting it is just like shutting down your router and not having internet or worse, right? So there is going to be a point of no return. So it's time now for, for that governance, for that 10 commandments of good AI behavior. I don't care what that is, right? To be instilled into the foundational thing. That's why the proposal from those thousand scientists to the Congress was put a governing body that anyone that wants to build AI, like open AIs of the future, there are many other companies are racing like Google and everything to, to come to that. There is a, some basic rules of decency and governance must be implemented in that, right? So let's put that at least to slow down something that... Um, we may at some sometime in the future not quite understand, but let's slow it down 
and let humans catch up with it and understand this beast a little bit better going forward. I think this was a very um, eye-opening presentation and um, this idea of the Ten Commandments or just building a system of morality is is really brilliant, um, whether it can happen or not, meaning we we have this system and we can decide to you know use our free will and reject it um, if we'd like. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. so, but, exactly. at least, but at least it's there. At least it's there on the back of our minds. When we're rejecting it, we know that we're rejecting it. We know that yes. we could be doing yes. something wrong. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, this is an important conversation. Um, I'm still learning a lot, I'm not as fast as AI, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> but um, this was really eye opening. And I, I hope we can do it again. And I hope this can actually, um, you know, spur more conversation around this topic. It's so important. Um, on a topic like AI, I probably when I started this podcast, I didn't think we would ever do a podcast about it, but it's become so um, important in our lives that, you know, we have to talk, it's going to infiltrate every part of our life. Yes. So. I think this podcast is very timely because now people can understand that AI is just on the pursuit of simulating human beings and human brain. Okay. And then therefore certain things that human, human beings are adhering to, morality, Ten Commandments, religion, basic principles, whatever you want to call it, could start being you know, applied to it. But the only thing is that at some point, this thing will become much more intelligent than us, if it already isn't, and it has access to much more vast amount of information, and it starts generating and making its own decisions, and safeguards, and, 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 and everyone coming together, and us contributing to the yeah. good sentiment behavior and, and a cyber footprint being a positive one goes a long way towards bringing it under control hope you thank you so much and, sure. and i, I want to just say one thing to our listeners um if i could recommend uh something to watch would be westworld mainly for season one i know there's a lot of uh um, x-rated scenes but just the the philosophy in that in that season is unbelievable and also um the movie ex machina um this oh, really yeah. this will really get the juices flowing you know to understand what exactly is going on um and Herzl thank you so much Scott um thank really you, and uh, uh God willing we get to see um the good side only of artificial intelligence God willing yes thank you again for having me Ben I appreciate it pleasure take care bye bye take care Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Judaism Demystified podcast. We really appreciate all your support and your feedback. If you want to help us grow the podcast, keep spreading the word, share it with your friends, family, or whoever you think would be interested. We also opened a Patreon, so you can become a patron, contribute any small amount you'd like, which would really help us grow the show. Um, our Patreon is www.patreon.com slash Judaism. Pretty easy to remember. Thank you again, and we hope to keep putting out great shows for you guys.